Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. An empath is somebody who has a lot of sensitivities to life and the world, but they don't have the same filters that other people have. And empaths just naively jump into people because they can, and they can read people, and they, they like to do it, but then they're just spent, or they're sick, you know, or they don't have anything left over for their family and kids because they haven't learned to balance all of it. So the art of being an empath is learning you know, when to give and when not to give. Hello and welcome to the Not Perfect Podcast, a show that explores the mind, soul, science and health as we speak with world leading experts each week. I'm your host, Poppy Jamie, a best-selling author, entrepreneur and happiness researcher. Life is not straightforward. So join me as we navigate being human together and become what I like to call flexible thinkers. I believe that curiosity and education is the route for more happiness, love, connectedness, and the doorway to unlocking your unlimited potential. I hope you join me on the journey. Today, it is such an honor to have Dr. Judith Orloff on the podcast. Dr. Orloff is the New York Times bestselling author of the Empath's Survival Guide, Life Strategies for Sensitive People. Her new book, Thriving as an Empath, along with its companion, The Empath's Empowerment Journal, offers daily self-care tools for sensitive people. Her work has been featured on the Today Show, CNN, Oprah Magazine, New York Times, USA Today, and she's a global speaker changing millions of lives. Dr. Judith Judith has most recently launched the Empaths Empowerment Cards to help you tune in with your intuition to dilemmas sensitive people often face daily. And I am so excited about these. I've just been given a preview and I really cannot wait to get my hands on this deck. Dr. Orloff is a psychiatrist, an empath, and is on the UCLA Psychiatric Clinical Faculty. She synthesizes the pearls of traditional medicine with cutting-edge knowledge of intuition, energy, and spirituality. Dr. Orloff also specializes in treating empaths and highly sensitive people in her private practice. As a highly sensitive person myself, I related to this book and all her work massively. If you find yourself being sensitive to other people's feelings, absorbing the pain of others, and many other traits of empaths which we'll go into further then Dr. Orloff is someone you should check out and recommend to anyone you know who also struggles with sensitivity. For many years I thought it was a huge nuisance being sensitive but Dr. Orloff shows you that you can manage being sensitive better and help you to thrive with it too. What's a favorite quote you return to often and why? Well, one of my favorite quotes is from the poet Mary Oliver. And any of you sensitive people out there who don't know Mary, please look her up. And this is the quote. When it's over, I want to say all my life, I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taking the world into my arms. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. Why did you choose that one? I mean, it's sent tingles. Because as an empath, 
I have the ability and we all have the ability to penetrate the moment in ways that are so passionate and so amazingly light filled. And so it speaks to what we empaths can do once we stay focused in the now and begin to heal some of the challenges. We can be a bride married to amazement and a bridegroom taking the world into our arms, the masculine, the feminine, and you can live your life fully rather than, you know, feeling like you need to make yourself small because of your abilities, that there's something wrong with you, that you need to be ashamed. None of it's true. What is a life lesson you've been reminded of recently? Well, the life lesson of loss and the power of love. I've had a number of people I've lost lately. It's just part of life. And as an empath, you don't have to be afraid of that. Empath means being sensitive to the cycles of nature and the flow of life. And so there's sadness that's involved in grief, but it's you want to be involved in life, being a bride married to an amazement with all of it. How do you understand the soul? I see that the, the reason for being on earth is to develop our souls. That's the number one reason. It's more important than, you know, your relationships or your job or the amount of money you make. We're, our primary job description, or I'll speak for myself, my primary job description is to, you know, learn to keep opening my heart, learn to embrace my sensitivities, you know, learn to just live every moment and learn from this human experience how to develop my soul, because when I leave here, as much as I love, you know, all these people in my life, I'm going off alone, you know, and not alone in the sense that I have me and my soul, you know, so we want to develop the soul and the way to develop the soul through the empath path is by learning to grow stronger and to keep following the path of love, keep on going, you know, that's the right direction, you don't want to get off that path. You want to keep going no matter what. I love that idea that we're here to develop our soul. That's definitely a very different answer to one that we've had before. So to start super simply, what is an empath? An empath is somebody who has a lot of sensitivities to life in the world, but they don't have the same filters that other people have. And so I'm a psychiatrist. I see patients. Um, give workshops, and also I'm an empath. And so I combine my traditional scientific training, academic training, which I value so much, with being an empath, which is opening up my sensitivities so I could intuit and sense and know and feel energy, and that which is such a beautiful experience that empaths speak the language of energy. But empaths don't have the same kind of filters, so they're, they're just wide open, they take on too much. And so they need to learn how to set clear boundaries, to meditate, to connect to nature, to not overgive or overhelp, because that's just going to drain you. And it's not allowing the people the dignity of their own path, which is so important in life to learn to do that and to not get involved with all these things that are none of your business. I say that respectfully because it's something I work on as a, as a physician, you know, an empath. I want to help. <laughs> <laughs> I have a strong desire, as some of you can relate to, but it's not. Number one is none of your business to do that. And number two, 
um, you're going to get overwhelmed by everything that's <laughs> in people. There's a lot of suffering around. And empaths just kind of naively jump into people because they can, and they can read people, and they, they like to do it. But then they're just spent, or they're sick, and they have mystery symptoms, you know, or they don't have anything left over for their family and kids because they haven't learned to balance all of it. So the art of being an empath is learning, you know, when to give and when not to give. It's not just giving, giving, giving all the time. That will burn you out. So many questions. Firstly, when do you think it became stigmatized to be sensitive? But I definitely feel that when I found your work, it was such an exhale because for so long, I've read everything else. Being sensitive, as, as I said, it, it's a nuisance. Um, when people say, oh, God, you're so sensitive. In a way, it's used as an insult. I use it to insult myself. I know I'm just being really sensitive, blah, 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 blah. Why do you think that dialogue, because I'm sure it's not just me. Why do you think that conversation around sensitivity is even there in the first place? Well, I think for many years, for both men and women, there's been a lot of shame about, you know, being sensitive and crying easily and, you know, not wanting to go and do video games or sports teams or go to large gatherings, you know, and the preference, you know, that that I have and many empaths have to be one to one or, you know, two to three, but that's it. Not to go to the Lakers game or a big stadium event. It's just too much <laughs> For my sensibilities, you know, but, you know, that's never been legitimized until recently. That's one thing I, you know, my work does is legitimize all this, whatever your needs are as an empath, you need to follow them and not force yourself to try and be like mainstream society, which isn't going to fit, you know, and, and the, the, the men are so stigmatized. There's just such incredible shame, you know, in, in crying, even, you know, in tears. Or, you know, just being afraid of being overly feminized and they're going to be put down or bullied. Many of them have been bullied in schools, you know, for being crybabies. And it's just been quite a, a negative experience for many empaths for many years. And they, they hide it. You know, they hide their abilities. They're ashamed of their abilities. Like myself, I carried around a lot of shame as a child when my parents you know, forbade me to mention any of my intuitions again at home. So I grew up believing there was something wrong with me, as the intuitions are a gift of that many empaths have, the intuitive empath, you know, being able to intuitively sense things about people. In the book, you touch upon how empaths are usually overly polite. What is the difference between a healthy giver and a codependent? And what is the skill to help people be healthy givers and not codependent? Yes, well, in thriving as an empath, there are a number of, of selections. Thriving as an empath is a day at a time book where each day of the year it gives people a self-care strategy to use to center yourself. Um, one is how not to overgive or how to give in a happy, energetic way, you know, or how to set boundaries. Um, but codependency, just a, a joke is that a, when you die, a, uh, another person's life passes in front of your eyes. You know, you're so overly focused on other people that you, don't, you can't even see yourself at the critical moment <laughs> of transition. So 
it's important that empaths practice self-care and codependent giving is when you care more about other people than you care about yourself. And you might even sacrifice your health, your peace of mind to help others. It's an obsessive need to help. And it's well-meaning, but it's not healthy. And so it's beautiful to help. It's beautiful to be compassionate, but it's not beautiful to be a people pleaser. Being a people pleaser, you just want people to be happy, right? Empaths are, you know, always just want people to be happy. Well, they're not happy all the time. And it's not your responsibility to make anybody happy, whether you want to or not. I understand the desire to want to. But in, in thriving as an empath, I talk about how to hold space for somebody without taking away their experience. If it's pain, if it's depression, if it's loss, it's about sending out positive energy. As an empath, you can do this beautifully, but you just send it out. It's an outgoing energy. It's not taking anything on from the person. And so it's a discipline that you practice. You can sit with a friend if you so choose. You don't do this with everybody, but you hold space for their experience and you're just there for them and you can radiate positive energy someone's way and they take it in. Just trust that. They'll take it in and it will help them more than any unsolicited advice you can give them. You know, you don't want to save them. You want to uplift them. And when you send out positive energy like that, it feeds you. It doesn't deplete you. It goes through you. And part of the exercises in, in thriving as an empath, one is to learn how to open your heart on a regular basis, which means putting your hand over your heart, focusing on something that you love. And breathing, putting your hand over your heart and beginning to feel that warm, fuzzy feeling that arises from the heart chakra. And it grows and grows the more you connect to it. It's part of my primary spiritual practice to do this. It's a very beautiful way to go for empaths. At the same time, though, I want to say you set boundaries. You know, empaths often make a mistake of, of talking too much, getting into it too much, explaining, making excuses, apologizing. You know, you don't want to do any of that. You just want to say, this is what I can do. I love you. And this is what I can't do. So it's learning how to say a positive no. A positive no. That is fascinating. But going back to your spiritual ritual, because as a psychiatrist, you are obviously listening to mostly people's problems all day. And you talk about this in your book as well, compassion fatigue. I feel that so many, especially what we saw in the pandemic, frontline workers got completely burnt out from caring too much in many ways. What spiritual practice would you encourage people to do? I heard, you know, when I was talking with friends about this book, one of my sensitive friends said, oh, I feel really depleted after I've been on public transport. Would you mind asking Dr. Olaf if she has any tips or tricks to do after you've just been in, to your point, public spaces? So what are your thoughts about that? Always, you know, eat some protein before you go on into these uh, you know, crowded places so you can have grounding in terms of your food. Don't have sugar because that will make you spin and not be grounded. You want to be grounded and stay in your bubble. You can picture a bubble around you. Um, stick to yourself. Maybe you could even meditate, putting your hand over your heart. Mind your own business. Don't worry about what other people are doing, but stay. It's perfectly okay to be protected in your bubble in a crowded place. It's a form of um, safety. 
and you don't want to be interested in what they're doing, what they're feeling, what they're talking about. You want to keep your, learn to bring your energy in and stay centered within rather than paying attention to everybody else. And, you know, on airplanes, I just go into my own bubble. And um, if somebody bothers me, which they usually do, I try and escape from that. I set my boundaries, but a lot of times people don't care. You know, they really don't. They just start talking. And so I have to say, you know, this is my quiet time. I'm, I'm relaxing. And so I really would like being quiet. Empaths need alone time to ponder, to process. Empaths process differently than other people. You know, my partner is not an empath. We were driving in the car and I was asking him, what are you feeling? And he goes, feeling? I'm not feeling anything. I'm driving. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I feel when I drive because I'm an empath. I feel everything all the time. But he's like, I'm driving. I'm task oriented. I'm doing this. I'm not feeling. So it's just, no, people are different from you. And I like that because he's grounded. And if I was with another empath, it would be too much to deal with for me, you know? So I love this. The It's called The Rock. In the Empath Survival Guide, I go through different types of possible relationships you can get into as an empath, you know, and The Rock is one of them, someone who's strong, stable, dependable, responsible. You feel, you know, secure with them. They'll show up for you. I love that. Do you think that as an empath, you are more vulnerable to being more controlling, even as a parent in love, only not from a malicious point that you want to control, but more to protect? That's a. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Sticky subject because empaths often overcompensate by being controlling because they don't want harm to befall their children or their friends and they micromanage things, which is very irritating to other people. <laughs> and also to give unsolicited advice, my partner just said to me last night, he was going to have this phone call with somebody. And I had all these opinions about it. And he says, I didn't want to tell you because I knew you'd have all these opinions about it. And I said, that's true. I'm sorry. I wouldn't tell me either. You know, but that's what I did because I know a lot about this subject and he knows nothing. He's a newbie and um, he didn't want to hear it. So... <laughs> 
And so how did you navigate or how do you navigate that tendency, as you said, to want to kind of micromanage out of your love, out of kind of like caring so much? Is it just awareness or, or is there anything else that you can do? It's truly letting people have the dignity of their own paths. I know you might feel that you can do it better, that your suggestions are great, and they probably are, but that's not the point. The point is your children or your mates or your friends need to walk their path, you know, without you always trying to do something to it. You have to have faith in them and you have to withhold unsolicited opinions. That's really helpful. You write a lot about how empaths are often attracted to narcissists. Why does this happen? It's very common. Um, Narcissists are people, the malignant narcissists are people with empathy deficient disorder. And that means they're not capable of having empathy as we know it. It's really hard for empaths to grasp that because they're so empathic and they're so imbued with this quality of heart and compassion. But narcissists don't have it. They don't process life in the same way. They're more motivated by um, money, power, and adoration. They they love to have power over empaths. And empaths will meet a narcissist, and the narcissist in the beginning can be quite charming and know exactly what to say to you and reel you in and be so supportive and seemingly empathic But the minute you do something that doesn't go along with their plan, now you begin to see their true colors and they become cold, withholding, punishing, gaslight you, punish you for not going along with what they want. And so it's an extremely destructive relationship. But empaths are attracted because they get taken in by the false self and they feel like my love can fix them. And I'm sorry to tell you, As much as I would like it to be true, I have not seen that to be true. You know, so it's hard for empaths to get that. And some empaths have gotten mad at me. I thought you believed in love. Don't you believe in love? Of course I believe in love. But the narcissist isn't wired that way. They don't respond in that way. So narcissists, of course, love empaths because empaths are so giving and loving and they want to help them and listen to them and take care of them and make sure everything in their life is operating well. And they love that. So why wouldn't they love it? There's self-absorbed egomaniacs, the malignant narcissist, but there's a type that has just malignant traits. These are not as bad as the malignant ones. And they, they can make some changes. You know, it's, I would never advise getting involved with a narcissist but the ones just with narcissistic traits can have a little empathy and they therapy can be effective with them. You know, as opposed to the malignant narcissist, I would not see a couple in therapy if one of them was a malignant narcissist because all they do is say it's your fault. Never their fault. I'm here because of her. It's her fault. Look at what she's doing. It's her fault. And you can't get anywhere with that if they can't own it. That's just really helpful, I think, to to hear again, to raise awareness of potentially where you are, or where one is out of. We know people kind of in those sorts of relationships, and I definitely have been really attracted in the past to narcissists for the reasons that you shared. 
Which makes me question this idea of love, because if you say, oh, I've fallen in love and it's with a narcissist and love is supposed to be this, you know, pure love energy is supposed to be nourishing and nurturing and the most wonderful thing that this life can bring. How can that be love if it's something that could be so toxic? Yeah, a narcissist can't love. See, that's what even you asking the question suggests to me it's hard for you to grasp that. It's infatuation, it's feeling high around somebody, it's the ecstatic nature of the oxytocin, um, the, the love hormone flowing through your body and getting you high. You know, it's it, like, that, that happens in the beginning of relationships to hook people in. The biochemistry is like cocaine, the brain on cocaine in the beginning. You lose all kinds of rationality because of these hormones, but as you settle into a relationship, they calm down, you begin to see the real person and you go, oh, <laughs> okay, you know, this isn't good. This isn't what I want in my life, but it is so hard for people to get out. So this empowerment deck that you've just released seems so up my street because as you said, it helps people tap into their intuition. And maybe we could do a general one because I feel like I, thankfully, I'm fascinated by narcissists. Thankfully, at the moment, I don't have any in my life. Um, But I would love to pick some cards out and use your deck if that's okay. Okay, let me, I have a a deck in front of me here. And the way you use a deck is you ask a question of it. You know, for instance, I'll ask, please give a general guidance for Poppy. I'll shuffle the deck. There are 52 cards in the deck and they're, there are different cards in, in the deck, but I'll do the reading first. And then I, I just shuffle it, close my eyes, and just open it to a, the perfect card to answer your question. And the card I got for you was be a comfort to yourself. Comfort is an inside job. Speak to yourself in a loving, positive way. Do something that nourishes you. Know in the moment all is well. Oh, that's so lovely. For you, not other people. This is, you know, empaths often like to be a comfort to everyone else, but it's been some conscious energy being a comfort to yourself. Oh, that's so lovely and reassuring. And I love this idea that you can ask questions and then the deck gives you Um, these different cards like a card that we saw just before we started this interview was one around nourishing the inner child why did you include that in the deck there's so many empaths have undergone trauma as children you know and had difficult childhoods and that their abilities weren't seen heard valued and so they grew up with shame around their abilities so the childhood is problematic And so part of healing as an empath with regard to healing the inner child card is that you need, if you get that card, you need to go. And there's a visualization I describe about going back to the house where your child was raised, you know, the actual house in your visualization, or literally if you can actually go to the place, but in a visualization, you want to knock on the door, open it up and find that little girl or boy and invite her to or him to come with you and to say, I'm sorry you were hurt. I'm sorry there was no nothing I could do to protect you or honor your sensitivities, but now I can. And now I want you to come with me and I will take care of you and you'll never be hurt again. 
and I will honor your sensitivities. So that's what you need to do as part of your healing as an empath. So if you pick that inner child card, it's a beautiful invitation to heal that wonderful part of yourself. Perhaps if you wouldn't mind, could we pick another card, but maybe for the listeners, for our collective moment, a general piece of advice for anyone who's listening? Okay, what I'm doing is I'm shuffling all the cards again to clear the energy of the cards and every the messages are face down. So I don't see them when I pick. And I don't think about picking a card. I just let my hand go to the deck. I spread it out on the the table, or you can spread it out in your hands and then just allow the hand to go to where the hand wants to go. And I, let's see, it's going to this card right here. Oh, interesting. See your emotions as teachers. This is for everyone. Emotions can be vehicles for transformation, whether joyous or challenging, They can teach you how to overcome fear and cultivate compassion. Um, But for all of you to not see emotions as tormentors, whatever you're going through, depression, anxiety, joy, compassion, see what these emotions can teach you in the development of your soul as you are here, as we talked about in the beginning. Honor them and be careful of them and, and don't, Lay them bare to narcissists or people who won't understand you and won't be able to nourish you and take care of you in the way you deserve. It's really interesting that card kind of seeing your emotions as teachers, because obviously as an empath, emotions can be felt on such a greater intensity. On on a practical level, how do you help people or what is your advice for being able to connect to the emotion, not be overwhelmed with it? Is it journaling? Is it walking? Is it being in nature? Like what would be your advice? Well, I love the, the card about in the um, day in thriving as an empath on dealing with your emotional triggers so that you could begin to heal them. And so you're not so triggered by all these annoying things that could happen with people, the, the chronic talker, the complainer, um, the blamer, the corrector, someone who corrects you all the time. You know, how do you deal with all this, you know, in terms of your emotions? What are your triggers and how can I, I heal them? So it's part of, you know, an ongoing healing process um, by going back to see what the initial trigger was. Let's say it was your father who told you you were overly sensitive and just toughen up. Maybe that's what you were told. And that's your trigger. Maybe people in your day, you know, in your life today would say something like that. Like, what's wrong with you? You know, or something like that. And that's a trigger to you. You're ashamed. You feel sweaty. You feel like exhausted all of a sudden. So you have to go back and say, you know, my father was maybe doing the best that he could, but it's not true. You know, it's just not true. And begin to reprogram yourself. And, you know, again, do the inner child work to, you know, go and have that little girl or boy with you. So you have control over this rather than, you know, mindless parents who, who don't know anything who are causing all sorts of damage, but don't even know it half the time. I love that idea of rewriting these narratives because... Yeah. The neuroscience behind that is phenomenal and it is so possible, but you're right. It just takes the work and actually doing some digging and exploring to be able to reprogram that and so much freedom awaits. 
You write about the importance of being aware of phases of nature and the cycles of light. And I'm aware that time in many ways seems like it's speeding up in our kind of overstimulated, saturated world. How can you stay aware of phases of nature? You know, I was listing with some friends the five most important aspects of life, you know, to me. And we were all, you know, saying our own, what's number one? Number one is my spiritual path, of course, which involves my writing and my, you know, helping others, you know, and number two is my partner. No, it's not number one. Number two, which is fine with him. But in the top five, nature and the moon and the stars and water, it's the ocean, it's extremely important to me. I mean, it has been since I've been a child. So I need that connecting point to the earth and to water. It's very important to me. It makes me feel alive and connected to what's real and important. It's an ongoing awareness, a daily awareness that I have, that I love having, you know, just feeling the, the soft breeze on my face when I meditate at 11 o'clock at night at my altar. <sighs> you know, it's just a beautiful connection. What is your meditation practice? Do you have a mantra? Do you just meditate through your breath? Like, If you don't mind, I know it's very personal, but what does your spiritual practice look like? My um, spiritual practice of meditation is heart-centered meditation. It's putting my hand, breathing. I sit, I light my candles. I light my incense, turn out the lights, sit by my altar. I have a sacred space set up with flowers and a yin, and it's a beautiful, beautiful space. And I sit there, put my hand over my heart, breathe, bring myself back to center, away from all the mundane concerns, and just begin to feel my body, again, 100% head to toe. And I leave my window open. I have a window, which is so beautiful, by my altar. And just let the breeze come in, or I can hear the ocean a few blocks away, and in my meditations, I incorporate that connection into, you know, getting quiet and going inward and opening up to connecting to the heart and intuitions and just being filled again. Dr. Olaf, thank you so much for your time. This has been so insightful. Where would be best for people to follow you? I know you have a Facebook group, but is there anything else? And where can people find your cards and your books? Yeah, so I would go to my website. That's kind of uh, the central hub of everything that's happening with me. And it's www.drjudithorloff.com. You can get the Empaths Empowerment Cards there, Thriving as an Empath. Um, there's online courses, the Empath Survival Guide online course, um, and all kinds of online workshops. There's one on the toxic attraction between the empath and narcissist, which is a four-hour workshop or three-hour workshop that you can just get online and watch at your convenience. So if you're an empath and you want resources, I've got them. <laughs> and I continue to add to you know all the resources as I learn more about more. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for my personal reading. I will take that into account as the days go by. And again, thank you for joining us on the podcast. It's been really great to chat to you. Oh, it's been lovely speaking with you too. 
Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Not Perfect Podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would deeply appreciate it if you wouldn't mind subscribing and leaving a review and perhaps maybe sending it to a friend who also might enjoy this episode. I can't tell you how grateful I am for those that share this podcast on their social media or with friends because it helps the show reach more listeners. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. So if you've had any thoughts or you want a specific guest coming up in future episodes, just let me know. Shoot me a message on Instagram or Twitter. It's just at Poppy Jamie. And so until next time, stay flexible, stay true to you and stay leaning into love. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.